just have to say, I was really not dreading, but, you know, just a little bit like, oh, do I want to do this morning? And um, just thinking, has God given me the right thing? And then these guys started singing the songs that they were singing. And isn't it amazing how you could, when you hear what I've got to say, you'll realize how much God has knitted together this morning and what he wants to get his message across Sorry, excuse me. Across to everyone. And um, it's not planned. I hadn't spoken to Mark about what songs they were going to sing, and he didn't know what I was going to talk about. So it's literally spirit-filled this morning and what God wants to tell you. So I'm really excited. And um, at first I was... uh, Does everyone know who I am, actually? Because I should just introduce myself if you don't. I've been around for quite a while now, so you've probably seen me up front and doing things. I've been here for about 10 years now, just over 10 years, and one of the more original NKCC people. And um, my husband's down there, Paul, and he spoke a couple of weeks ago, so you've probably heard him. And you might have even heard me on podcasts and things, because I have spoken before. Um, so there we go. Um, now, I'm not afraid of a challenge, and it was great when Dave and the other elders said that they would trust me to choose my own topic. But when I spoke to God about it and asked him what he wanted me to speak on, I thought, actually, I think I'd rather Dave had given me a topic, because he would have been a lot kinder. <laughs> And um, this morning I'm going to talk on forgiveness, and uh, particularly from the point of forgiving others. And I recognise that this is a tricky subject, it's quite an emotive subject, and, um, but as we've just sung, we just know that God is with us, and yeah, I just want to pray before we start. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, that you are good. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here to release freedom that your spirit is here, that you are here to bring love, that you're here to bring strength and power, and that all we do is for your glory. And, uh, yeah, I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you will guide us into all truth this morning. Help us have an open heart, show us the way, and comfort us as we go on our first steps. So, where I'd like to start is a very familiar place, Matthew 6, verse 9. So, if you've got a Bible with you, then turn to that verse now. That's Matthew 6, verse 9, and it's going to come up on PowerPoint as well. So, firstly, we're going to look at the New International Version. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the message version, which you might not know so well, but I really liked. With a God like this, loving you, you can pray very simply, like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. So how many times have you heard or indeed said those words? I mean, I went to a C of V school, Church of England primary school. So even though I didn't become a Christian until I was 21, I'd said that quite a bit um, in those, what's that, 14 years. And um, even recently I've said it, kind of going through the words really, not really thinking about it, because when you know something really well, do you think about actually what you're saying? And how many of you actually get that far and then stop? Who knows what comes next? If you do, you'll be going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So in the NIV version, verse 14, 
For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Great. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And in a message it says, in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Now, I'm just going to let that sink in a minute, and everyone's going to go, oh, my. (laughs) So let's just go back over that message version. In prayer, connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Now, who here, quite rightly, is sitting there thinking, hang on just a minute, what is she on about? It says about Jesus dying on the cross for all our sins, so that we will be made righteous in him. And I know this comes before the crucifixion, but Jesus still gave it as instructions for how we should live our lives, didn't he? Well, of course that's absolutely true, and Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Phew. (laughs) However, it also says 2 Corinthians 3 verse 4, and we, all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I didn't warn you, I'm going to jump around quite a lot, so you're going to have to keep up with me this morning. Okay, so the way I see it is Jesus knew that he was going to die on the cross for us, for all our sin, so that we may be made holy in him. That's what we know. But I think he also knew that the sanctification of our minds might take a little bit longer, because that involves us. (laughs) And um, with all the baggage that we like to hold on to, we might still be prone to a slip-up or two. So I think Jesus made... Um, allowance for that when he said to us about praying so that unrepented sin doesn't remain in our lives and it doesn't keep us from having the full relationship with our father that we're meant to have and the fullness of his glory that we're meant to have in him so it kind of be like me being married to Paul he's over there and um, I know he's stuck with me because he he made his vow and he said he would stay with me forever and um, until death do us part. And I know that he intends to keep that. So if I went around saying mean things to him or not treating him too kindly and not saying sorry or asking him for forgiveness, we'd still be married, but we'd have a pretty rubbish relationship, wouldn't we? So um, that's what it's like with God. He knows that we mess up and we need to keep on top of that so that we can be with him. But then to the next part, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. And then that's it. Full stop. Um, Wait a minute, Jesus, what are you on about? Why doesn't he say any more? I got to that bit and I was reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm saying I've missed something here. And I'm sure that the disciples that were with Jesus would be asking the same thing and wondering, why isn't he explaining this? He explains everything to us. Why isn't he telling us this is a pretty big deal? Why are you not telling us what it's about? And he does. He comes back later when Peter pipes up with a question in Matthew 18, verse 21. So at this point, the disciples had been talking with Jesus about what you do if one of your, their brothers, one of your brothers or another member of the church, 
was to sin against them, upset them. And you'll likely be familiar with the process of you go and you tell them what they did to you. And if they don't listen, you go back with someone else. If they still don't listen, go back with someone else and, and so on. I'm, I'm not going to really deal with that this morning because I think that's dealing with the issue of the behavior. And I want to deal with our hearts and looking at forgiveness once that sort of thing is aside. And you might not ever get a resolution and it's still, this thing still applies in forgiving. So Peter asked a question, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Now, seven was a perfect number, and for most of us might seem actually quite generous. I mean, how many would they say, if you would say, I might forgive him once um, if they're lucky and I'm having a good day, or maybe twice, but after that, no way, and certainly three strikes and they're out. That's the kind of mentality that we have like I said to us, you're not going to keep forgiving and forgiving seven times. But actually, Jesus replies, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I was like, you what? Well, I worked out the maths. Now, I might be wrong because I did this late last night. That's 490 times that they have to forgive. For someone to even have that much sin, 490 times, that's a year and a half that they're doing things to you. And if they're not knackered and worn out by that, I'll be pretty much after my pound of flesh. I don't know about you, because that to me is just extortionate. But Jesus gives us a pretty good reason for it next. And he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold... So you imagine 10,000 bags of gold in that time. You're looking at a few million, really, aren't you? If not more. I can't even work out that one. It does tell you in the study bit of the Bible if you want to have a look. Um, but anyway, was brought to him. Since he was able, not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He couldn't afford that. There's no way he could have paid it back. He would have been there till we died. But the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. So he's off, out the door. Great. Yes, thank you. You've let me free. I don't have to pay any debt. Now, I'll be going home, partying, celebrating with my wife. But what... Uh, his wife, obviously, not my wife. <laughs> now, that's a whole other issue. Anyway, <laughs> not going there. But he didn't do that. Let's see what he did next. The servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Sorry, you can tell I read stories to children, can't you? Get very excited. <laughs> his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him in the same way, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. The servant refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? 
And then it gets worse. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Oh, we got it up there. Cool. (laughs) I noticed that. Now, we were sitting and thinking, that is pretty harsh, isn't it? And to me, it certainly didn't fit with my concept and the the thoughts and the, the knowledge that I have of a loving Father God that, you know, forgives us everything and loves us and that. But it's quite clear here that he gets angry. And this is our Father in heaven gets angry with us. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Sorry, I hadn't realized I hadn't read that bit. So there you go. God really does not like it when we do not forgive other people to the point of being angry and leaving us to be tortured. And that really doesn't sound like a God I want to get on the wrong side of. So um, let's see what is uh, so bad about not forgiving others that he would react like that. He must have a reason. We've got a good God, haven't we? He's good all the time. He's, He's after us to have the fullest life we can. So he's got to have a good reason not to have... um, not to forgive if we don't so if you google forgiveness for instance if you have a look on there there are hundreds and hundreds of websites books images videos teachings psychologists counseling sites all dedicated to the topic of forgiveness and all talking about moving on from forgiveness and how you deal with it in your life so it's not just a religious expectation anymore it used to be that i think historically but now even in secular arenas it seems to be a crucial way forward in living your life and um, unforgiveness is quite often compared to cancer which we all know is an awful disease that just destroys your body so to be compared to something like that is quite severe and um, looking on the internet, for, again, for testimonies of forgiveness, I was struck by how many there were, and particularly videos where people told stories of how they had forgiven others. There were people who had had their lives torn apart by the loss of loved ones, by abuse, by deception, by drugs, violence. So many had really good reasons to hate the people that had done these things to them. And um, I was hoping to show you a video, but it was all getting a bit too technical and complicated. So instead, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. And I've got an illustration here to um, sort of show a point of how a mother forgave someone against them. So I'm going to need three volunteers, please. Who's feeling a bit strong? We could be a woman, Matt. (laughs) Go on, Kate. Do you fancy holding some boxes? Okay, so... the next um, picture, have we got Anthony Walker? So this is a young guy, in all seriousness. He was 18 years old. You probably saw him in the news. He was very sadly, drastically murdered walking home from school with his girlfriend. And um, it was a racially incited attack by some of the fellow students at his school. And his mother was talking about um, what happened afterwards and the verdict And she said, we are satisfied with the verdict, but we are not celebrating. We have no reason to be jubilant because that will not bring Anthony back. His mother said, I knew from the start there was only one verdict. And she then went on to say, I've got to forgive them. My family and I still stand by what we believe. They're Christians and they knew this is what Anthony would have wanted as well. So they stand by forgiveness. So she, um, in the video, and uh, if you Google it, it's really very powerful, so I suggest you watch it. She was talking about the burden... Oh, this is really heavy. <laughs> the 
burdens that she had to carry. So you imagine you're a mother at home and uh, please knock on your door and say that your son's been murdered. So here we go. Have some pain. Have some sorrow and some grief and some distress. Thinking of your family, your children. He's got a sister and brothers that are then having to grow up without a sibling. You've lost your child. You've got a pretty big load of weight just been brought to you and that you've, you've got. And then you also have bitterness, resentment, anger, chucked on top. <laughs> Is that getting heavy yet? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got a few, few kilos in there that um, Kate's carrying. Um, so she's got all this on top of her. And she said, I decided I had enough to carry with the pain, with the grief, with looking after my family. I didn't want anger, bitterness, resentment. So I gave that to Jesus. He took that. I didn't need to hold on to it. Now, he could... Actually, I don't need you to. Sorry, I just realised. <laughs> I, I can do it. Do you know, you can also give him these ones as well. You don't have to carry all that grief and all that heaviness and all that weight. Fancy doing a lap of the room now? You're uh, released. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. <laughs> now, we don't have to carry all this stuff. We don't have to carry the extra rubbish on top of everything else we've got to go through life with and dealing with. And um, I love Dave's word earlier about going into a new season. Who wants to go into a new season with all this crap? So I said it. I was going to say it. I said something else at my baptism. If you want to know that story, ask Paul. He'll quite happily tell you. I'm happy to say that. You don't want to go into life. Huh? Yeah, forgive me. <laughs> Thanks. It wasn't about him. He didn't have to. <laughs> you don't want to go into a new season with all this, do you? And it's, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm not undermining what has gone on in people's lives, and I certainly don't want to say this is easy. But Jesus has given us the answer, and God doesn't want us holding on to that. So to forgive literally means to stop feeling angry or resentment towards someone. So it doesn't mean that you're condoning their behavior or that you should never confront someone. We talked about that earlier about what you should do, and Jesus will um, instruct in that as well. And forgiving itself doesn't actually mean that you have to forget or trust people either. Although we all know that 1 Corinthians 13 says about that, and um, in case you've forgotten it, it'll pop up a bit later. So um, another example um, of amazing... um, inspiration for forgiveness is Nelson Mandela and um, if you don't know about him I I can't go into it all now but (laughs) have a look I think pretty much everyone knows what an amazing man he was and what an inspiration he was for South Africa and post-apartheid his message was all about forgiveness and to pick a few of his famous words he said forgiveness liberates the soul and resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die so it'll be like me saying, I'm going to drink 
drink this poison and you're going to die because you've done something wrong to me. No, those people are gone. They're, they're not necessarily even thinking about you anymore, let alone sitting there worrying about it. And um, as he left Robin Island, where he had spent 27 years incarcerated, Mandela said, As I walked out the door toward my freedom, I knew that if I did not leave all the anger, hatred and bitterness behind, then I would still be in prison. And I believe that this is what Jesus means when talking about the unmerciful servant. His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. I don't think that's God's intent, not God's intention at all. But through our own unforgiveness, we have no other choice. We have to, we have this upon us. So I'm hoping this morning that we're going to be seeing some people released into freedom, into a new season without all this baggage. And, uh, we're going to carry on and help with that. So, um, let's have a look next. I guess skip over these bits because I don't want to talk for too long and keep you all waiting. Uh, oh yeah, just um, in where is it? I haven't got it. Really. The, um, we're actually warned as well that the devil is looking for any way he can get a hold on us, and we are warned that also holding on to anger gives him the opportunity for a foothold in our lives, and we certainly don't want to let him in. Um, another way that unforgiveness ruins things is dividing churches. Um, And the enemy would be more than happy to see us divided against each other because it makes us less effective in our mission. A divided church sends out not only messages between us, but it's also a bad witness to non-Christians. And I know myself that growing up, one thing that put me off church wasn't God. It was the people that just their behavior and attitudes towards each other. They, They weren't showing me how Christians should love each other. There was all sorts of anger. There was all sorts of behavior. And you just think, if that's what it's like in church, no, thank you. I just, I'm not going to go near that. And that actually then blocks people from knowing the goodness of God because we're meant to show his light to people. We're meant to show the, his love and his goodness to them so that they then come to know him. And we don't want to stand in between that because we're holding on to stuff. We want to be an example of God's love. And um, that gets us right on to the big one. So if you firstly go back to your own salvation and think about what happened, one of the things that um, I remember is about the forgiveness that I received. And um, we think about what is the primary reason that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and reconciled for him. So why did he do that? Why did Jesus go, even go, agree to go through with it? Because he had a choice. He didn't have to die on the cross for us. Why did, why did that happen? Any answers? Yeah, we were separated from God. But why did he want us back? He didn't have to have relationship with us. Because he loved us. Exactly. Because they loved us. Because God loved us. And we read earlier in Ephesians 2, because of his great love for us, God died. Oh, God died. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. And there's loads of other passages that say, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Freely you have received, freely give. Out of the comfort you have received, comfort others. And as well, it says, Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. It's all there. Unconditional love is Jesus' message to us in Matthew. Unconditional love. We've had the command as well in John. 
I, I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And uh, that's a pretty big calling, but this covers all this stuff. This is what we are called to do. And what do we know love is? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And that's, um, that's a message of what God, God is love. That's the love he has for us. That's who he is. But it's also, we are called to be like him. We are made in his image, and we are called to do this stuff too. As hard as it may be, and it will be hard, I'm not denying it's not easy. I've had times when I've really struggled thinking about forgiving someone. And uh, you have to make a decision that to love. It's a tough decision, but that's what we're called to do. And love and forgiveness, as we just seen, go hand in hand. It's a standard that Jesus set when he died on the cross for us. And so we're required to do the same. And if you're thinking, I just can't do it. I just can't let someone get away with what they've done to me. There needs to be justice. They need to say sorry. I need to really believe that they mean it. I mean, I say to my children, say sorry to each other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they go, no, like you mean it. And that's, that's just a three and a four year old <laughs> arguing over toys. What about when you get to the bigger stuff, you know? But um, you, you could sit there thinking, they've hurt me so much and it's so painful. How can I ever forgive them? Well, let's just go back to Jesus again because he's our example. He understands this. He understands his pain. He understands to being humiliated and beaten and tortured. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane asking his father for a way out of this because he knew what was to come. But as he was led to his crucifixion with, with all those things coming off a thing across him, was he there thinking, okay, guys, you're awful, you're evil. I hope you rot in hell because that's where you're heading. I don't think so. In actual fact, when Jesus got to the cross, some of his last words were, forgive them. So, and this didn't just apply to the people that he liked and that were good. This applied to each and every person. This was for those that recognized what they had done wrong, like Peter, who denied him um, and then felt grief about it. For the guards that were there who didn't give a one iota what had happened and just quite merrily on their way doing what they were doing because that was what they were there for. Um, it was also for the prisoners who were at the last minute wanting to know Jesus, a prisoner on the cross next to him, wanting to know God and to receive mercy. For the family and disciples who were devoted to him and loved him. And I'm pretty sure if Judas had stuck around, it would have applied to him too. It was for everyone. And... Uh, when you also look at how Jesus handled other situations, he did feel sad. He did weep. He lost his cousin, John the Baptist. He's beheaded. And his, his answer to that was to retreat to a solitary place. And I'm sure when he went there, he would have been going through all the pain and the grief and thinking about how he was going to deal with this awful thing that had happened to this person that he loved. And um, 
It doesn't really tell us much about that, but you can kind of imagine, can't you, what was going through him. And we've heard about really horrible losses of loved ones recently with Thomas. And just imagine what Nicole was going through and thinking about how things have happened to you. And it doesn't really tell you that, but what does happen next is that Jesus had compassion for the people that followed him. So he wasn't left alone for very long. I think he had as long as it took him to get from the boat on one side to the other side of wherever he was crossing a lake or something. And then there were thousands upon thousands of people following him. And we know that because they then went on to feed the 5,000. So we know it must have been at least that many. And um, he then went on to heal everyone that was there that was sick. So Jesus dealt with that. He must have done something because he, he's the same as us. Forgive as you're forgiven. It unlocks stuff that we're going to find out about in a minute. And he moved on and was then able to minister to people out of his grief because he had the comfort that he had. He could comfort others. I just think that's amazing testimony of what we, can, we are capable of. So uh, let's stop talking about unforgiveness. Let's look at the good, goodness of what forgiveness can do. So while unforgiveness can bring division in the church, forgiveness brings unity and growth. So we look here. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then it goes on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And um, we're also not just growing in unity with each other, but also ultimately and most importantly as well with our Father. And it says in 1 John 2, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. And then later on in 24. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he's promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. That's what forgiveness brings. Eternal life. And if you don't believe me, in Romans 8, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So you get peace added in that. So we've got unity, growth, life, peace. It's looking like a pretty good deal, isn't it? Okay. Oh, are you still with me? (laughs) Sorry, I'm just going through all this. It's just so important. I just, yeah, I just... I want to see people released into freedom. That's what my heart's for this morning. That's why I want to bring this to you. So hopefully we're getting there. Okay. So one thing else that um, forgiveness brings is um, fullness. So we've got the passage that I've just read, which sits between talking about living in life and living in death and living in sin and living in the flesh. And um, I believe that unforgiveness is a sin. Good old Wikipedia explains how biblical terms have been translated from Greek and Hebrew, spelled sin for the Greek, S-I-N, or S-Y-N for Hebrew. And I don't know much more else about Greek and Hebrew, that's about it. But. And it originates in archery and literally refers to missing the gold at the centre of the target. So if you imagine an archer's board, you've got red, black, and yellow. Is that right? Red, black, and yellow, gold in the middle. 
And if we're not living a life of love and forgiveness, we're missing the mark. Um, we're living in sin, but we're missing out on the gold. And again, the enemy would like to draw, drive a wedge between us and our father. That's what sin does. It separates us. So the enemy will get in there and he will use any lies and deception he can to get us apart from our father. And the last thing he wants us to do is continue in praise and worship. And that's one of the things this morning that we, when we're singing those songs and the words that we're singing about um, praising and worshipping and Emily singing about praise and worship, that is why it's so powerful. That is what is so powerful about forgiveness. Praise and worship to the Father and connection with him. We don't want to miss out on that. And that's why we ask for, I think we ask for forgiveness regularly. I mean, even just coming here this morning, how many of you are driving along going, get out of my way, what are you doing cutting me up? You know, that person nicked my parking space. I'm not forgiving them. That's awful. They should not have nicked my parking space this morning. You know, I'm going to be late now. And um, I sort of make a joke about it. But it's little things in life like that that also, it's not just the big things, but the little things that can just take a hold on us and make us feel a bit bitter and a bit angry and a bit like, and stop us from worshipping God. And um, even whilst I was preparing for today, I had a situation arise. I was communicating with someone via a text message, which is not necessarily best, but that was what the situation we were in. And um, they crossed a boundary that I had set. Now, they might have had very good reasons, but in my mind, I was thinking, well, hang on a minute. I asked you not to do something, and you've gone and done it anyway. I was pretty crossed. Cross. And I was sitting there thinking, okay, I really don't need this. I was preparing for today. I don't want to be having to think about this. I'm just going to ignore it. And then I thought, well, actually, no, I can't do that. That wouldn't be honoring them. They don't know that necessarily that they've done something wrong. So I just sent a little message explaining what was going on, that I was busy, and that I'll talk to them about it when we could on the phone. And then I had to make a decision. Do I sit here wallowing in it and thinking, oh, I'm really annoyed. I really didn't want to have to do that. Or do I think okay, this is a good chance to practice what I'm reading about. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) So I did. I sat there. I made a decision to forgive them, not knowing their reasons for anything, not knowing why they did what they did, but knowing that it was more important that I moved on and got back to what God had got for me because I could have sat there, wasted away my afternoon and not have had anything to say this morning and stole... what God had to say this morning would have been stolen from us. And uh, it, you just wouldn't have had anything to do. It would have been forgiveness. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> nah, waste of time. Don't. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I moved on from it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, um, forgiveness also brings spiritual gifts and favor. And... Um, After Jesus had talked about forgiving through the Lord's Prayer, and then he also goes on a bit about how else we should treat each other over the next several passages, we then get to one that we know quite well as well, which I love. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. And I don't just think that's a coincidence that he put that in there. I think he was showing us this is what it's all for. And um, 2 Peter 1 as well. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And that last sentence there, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, just reminds us that we're looking at an eternal perspective here. We're not looking necessarily at the here's and now's and the hardships, although that's all great. We're looking at an eternal perspective of what God goes for us. And we're storing up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Oh, forgiveness brings healing. And there are many examples throughout where forgiveness of sins then leads on to mention of physical healing. So in Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. So it's all there. That's why I'm chucking all these Bible verses at you, because why rewrite what's already been written in his good word? He says it much better than I can, so... To, um, you have to forgive me for all of that. You can go back and look them up later. <laughs> um, so let's look at Matthew 9. Uh, I'll give you a minute to turn to this one because it's quite a long one and I think uh, it's good to read along. So if you've got, got it there, Matthew 9, verse 9. I think. No, sorry, Matthew 9, verse 1. It's right at the beginning. So here we've got Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, you're made better. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Okay, we we know this one. It's quite a common passage, I think, that we've, we've talked about in other ways. But for me, it took me a little while to get my head around this one. I thought of the truth. I knew about us being called to follow Christ and in him we will do great works, greater than what he did. And we're made in his image and we are like him. So that was okay. But then the little thought, like the Pharisees crept in. But if we declare forgiveness of someone's sins, we're blaspheming, aren't we? Because only God can do that. He's the one that paid the price, not us. But then I was hanging out the washing and um, I just add that because I just think it's hilarious where God talks to me. So I'm um, hanging out the washing. And God gave me a picture of me as a waitress in a restaurant. And um, we've heard some stories recently about generosity and where I think Dave West shared one on uh, Facebook the other day about someone that had paid the bill for them at the table when they went to pay. And um, God just said to me, 
you're the waitress that is going over to that table and telling them that their bill has already been paid. We don't have to pay the bill. I could never afford to pay the cost for the cost of all your sins. Jesus already done that. So we are then releasing the goodness of that good news that the bill has already been paid. So we can go and tell people, your sins are forgiven, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us and for them and for everyone to come. <laughs> you like that one? That's good. <laughs> that was God's one. He always has the best ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, we've, we've got the permission to tell people. Now, if you're in the restaurant on the flip side, you wouldn't dream of leaving without someone telling you that the bill has been paid. If I sat there and I thought, oh, someone must have paid, paid my tab. I'm just going to leave. Off I go. Then um, you wouldn't do that, would you? But actually, when you hear about Jesus, then you can assume that he has paid your, the bill and he's paid for your sins. That's the goodness and that is faith. That is knowing who he is and what he's done and taking that for yourself. But some people need to be told that. Some people need you to share the good news with them so that they know that it's okay to leave the building without paying for their food. So the, the waiter gave them that knowledge and that entered, allowed them to enter into the goodness of free food. It's always good. So um, Jesus here was giving someone the good news of forgiveness and giving them the goodness of free healing. Sharing that good news. And not only did the paralyzed man get the good news, but when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. They praised God who had given such authority to man. And uh, so that leads me on to the last one. Forgiveness declares God's glory. I'll just leave you there. (laughs) So, how do we forgive? Firstly, by asking God what and who we need to forgive. Sometimes it's blindingly obvious. If you've had a row with someone and they've called you names and you've then gone away and you thought about it and you think, actually, I need to forgive them, that's fine. Sometimes it's less obvious. Um, I had a so-so a couple of months back. And um, the reason for a so-so I went for was because I wanted to have greater intimacy with my father in heaven. And I wanted to know him better. And I wanted to just see if there was anything that was in the way of this. So off I went. And um, so-so isn't, if you don't know much about it, it's not a counselling or kind of taking you through all your problems. But it is a ministry that looks at forgiveness. And um, you're asked in advance of your session to have a look through these things and see if there's anyone you need to forgive. And then you take that and you can go and deal with it. Now, I went into that session knowing that I was probably very likely going to have to talk about something to do with my dad. Now, my dad died very suddenly when I was 16 as a result of epilepsy. And um, I actually have a diary, which I found not so long ago, that was outlining all the anger and the hurt that I was feeling. And I wasn't a Christian at this point, but I, I knew enough about God, and I'd been through Christian youth groups. Don't ask me how I went to these groups without being a Christian because I just mind boggles, but God was on to me from the start. And um, I heard about God. So I knew, I was thinking, well, if someone's got anything to do with this, it's God's fault. And I was angry with him. And I also was holding on to this um, self-sufficiency. And that is what came up in my so-so. So I was quite happy to forgive God. We dealt with that one. That wasn't a problem. 
But I didn't realize about forgiving myself for being self-sufficient. So after my dad passed away, I was um, at school. and I went back to school just after the funeral. And I spent most of the time being concerned about other people and making sure they were okay because I, we were young, we were at school. We hadn't been through this kind of thing before. I was the first one to lose someone so close to us in my friendship group. So I, I was there for them. Like, I'm okay, don't worry. We, we can still be, have a good relationship. We can still go and have fun. Don't worry about me. We're just, you know, I, keep, I kept motoring on and it was fine. And um, didn't really deal with the grief at that point. But when, God, when I became a Christian, a lot of stuff came up and I knew I'd have to deal with it. So God helped me through those years. But he's also very thorough and he will take you back to deal with stuff. And that's what God was doing with me here. And um, when... Um, the ladies asked me to um, look at where God was in this, at this time and with other things as well that I was talking about. He was behind a brick wall and I couldn't get to him. And um, Jesus was with me. Jesus was my friend. I had my friends. I had them with me all along. I didn't have my father. He was stuck behind that wall. And towards the end of the sozo, I was... I just saw this wall being broken down, broken down, broken down to a point at the end where Jesus and I are there and we're kicking the bricks away and it's, a, it's all great fun. And um, then I could run and sit on my father's lap and I could be embraced by him. I could feel his protection. I could feel his security. I could feel his love for me. And he promised me that he was n- the whole time he was with me and he was never, ever going to leave me and whatever I had to deal with. And I'm able to carry that now with me. I went out of there feeling ten times lighter, feeling loved, feeling comforted, having this relationship with my father that I never had before. My father in heaven, that is. And um, actually one of my favorite pictures, quite funny, of when I was little is of me sat on my dad's lap with my brothers having a story. So God used that, one of my favorite images, to just remind me of what he's got for me. And I just felt unlocked, not just with that and closeness, but things have been going on since then in my life and my spiritual walk that have been amazing. I've experienced God in ways that I've never experienced him before. Done some wacky stuff, haven't we, Becky? <laughs> and experienced crazy, crazy, crazy outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, I just really feel that that's just unlocked a whole load of spiritual favor and, and gifts in me that if I hadn't gone through that, I would still be where I was before. So that's just been my personal testimony on that one. And we, we can ask Holy Spirit to help us. We're not on our own. In John 20, he said, breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. So it started with receive the Holy Spirit. Don't try and do this by yourself because you won't be able to do it. God is perfect and he, perfect love casts out fear and fear in forgiveness. And we need him to help us through this stuff. And the apostles asked the Lord after, in Luke 17, 4, when he again is talking about forgiveness here, they said, increase our faith. So you can ask for that and God will give it to you. And Jesus warned us that things would not be easy, but he also said that with him there will be peace. So I've told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We're nearly there. I'm not going to run over. <laughs> so the last thing, uh, or some more instructions about how we forgive, is by being humble and trusting God for justice. 
The only person that really, truly knows what's going on in someone else's heart is God. Even ourselves, we have our blind spots to what in our thoughts and in our minds and in our spirit life. God knows what is in the deepest depths of someone. He knows out of what attitude and behavior and what's going on. And he knows what's going to come as well. He knows whether they will in 10 years' time realize that what they did was wrong and ask for forgiveness and ask for mercy and love. So if we decide that someone must be punished for what they've done to us, we're taking God's place as judge. And we're not staying humble. And we all know what happens then, because it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And um, as we've seen, I think we're much better off when we stick to what we've been asked to do and uh, leave the rest for God. We don't, again, coming back to this, God can deal with all this stuff. He's bigger. He can cope with it. We don't need to be dealing with that. And um, God is good all the time. And his way of working things out might not be what we expect, but he is still good. And we have to trust in him for all things. And it does say in Romans 12, if you're thinking, but surely must, something must happen to them, they, you know, they deserve it. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And then finally, I'm going to give it over to 1 Thessalonians 5, because um, it's just so brilliantly worded, and I just love it. So just um, bear with me, and if you've got it again, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And um, elsewhere, we're we're, um, asked to pray for our enemies as well. It's a specific instruction there. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So thank you. Thank you, Father. I'm just going to just pray. Thank you that you are good. You are faithful. That by handing over all our burdens to you, all our unforgiveness, all our hate and anger and the things that we carry, we can trust you to do your perfect will, that your goodness will come on us, that we will live a full life that we will have grace and mercy poured out on us and poured out on others, that we will have freedom in you. We won't be kept imprisoned anymore. Yeah, I just pray your spirit just come on us now. Fill us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to go forward, to know what we need to do. Each one of us is on a very personal, very individual journey. But you are the good God that knows what's in our hearts. You know what we need. And your love is there for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. And um, I just want to just finish by just saying this morning about forgiving ourselves as well, because this applies to us too. And if you've come to 
church this morning, you might come from a friend, you don't know Jesus, you don't know how much God loves you and he wants to know you and you want to enter the full forgiveness that I mentioned at the beginning of what he has for you, then um, please speak to people you are with because this is for you, this is for you, God's love is for you, his forgiveness is for you, he wants you. And um, if you want prayer for anything else or anything I've touched upon this morning, then there'll be a ministry team here at the front as well. And um, they'd love to pray for you. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. So thank you. Thank you.